Welcome to Stop and Talk, a podcast about connection and building a more vibrant region together through creativity, health, and community. This is your host, Grant Oliphant, the CEO of the Conrad Prebis Foundation. Thanks for joining us. Hi, and welcome. Thank you for joining us for our first season of Stop and Talk. We've reached the close of season one, but not the end of this program. On this episode, I want to reflect on my takeaways from this season as it relates to the Prebis Foundation and to San Diego and to the work that in some ways we're all embarked upon doing in the world. The Prebis Foundation is committed to community wellness, to community well-being, We believe this comes from three things. It comes from a sense of purpose, a sense of opportunity, and a sense of belonging. We've spoken a lot about belonging over the course of the past year and in this season as well. But the other concepts have come up also. And I think what our program is pointing towards is the importance of all three of these concepts in our notion and understanding of what it looks like to be and to build in healthy, well community. This season, we have heard how we can create a region where everyone has a meaningful voice and the opportunity to participate in the design of the society that shapes our lives. That is how we at the Prebis Foundation define belonging. But belonging is one piece of the circle of wellness and of community well-being. And so next season, we will focus on opportunity and what it means to have real opportunity in the community by talking with entrepreneurs, university leaders, civic leaders from all over our community, and of course, healthcare innovators and others who are helping to move our community and economy forward. As we close this season, I want to thank my season one guests, Savasti Haracharan, Dr. Dan Kalak, Felicia Shaw, David Miyashiro, John Powell, Rafael Payare, Megan Thomas, Sid Vivek, Roxana Velasquez, Macedonio Artiaga Jr., and Kara Desert. It has been an extraordinary set of conversations. Let me give you some examples of some things that I think we heard along the way. One observation is that when these leaders talk about belonging in our community, they speak deeply about their own personal experience and how their sense of belonging comes from that experience. Roxana talked with us about her art career in Mexico City and how being raised in a way to see art as a right defined for her how she viewed art in the world and the spirit of art that she wanted to bring to our community and the work she's doing at the San Diego Museum of Art. When you observe the millions of people that I served in Mexico, millions of people over 20 years crossing the doors from every single walk of life, Mm. not necessarily coming in Mm. cars or trains or airplanes, but everyone with their families and observing the joy that art produced in them, I think that I brought. I really wanted to be able to share with the 
communities here, the multicultural communities that we have here, and the specific location of San Diego. Dan talked about learning a love of community care and medicine from his mom and how a deep concern for the members of his community drove him to become a doctor, serving those on the Palma Valley Indian Reservation came from a place of how he was raised and what he saw and what he learned was important in terms of his place in making a place for others in his community. As one of the uh, frontiers in nursing in the area, she was amongst the uh, initial nurses to be an important part of the Indian Health Program in California. So she performed a lot of home visits. She was a major nurse there at the Indian Health Council, Mm -hmm. and then later on received her degree in family nurse practitionership, where she provided care for the clients at the clinic as well as within the community. I can personally attest to going to those remote homes and waiting in the car while she performed her exams and Mm -hmm. then uh, returning to the clinic and uh, waiting in her office until she got off work. So her commitment and her dedication, much like my father's, who was a community health representative Mm -hmm. there at the clinic as well, uh, really exemplify and and are uh, uh, really a good example of, of my commitment to the clinic and the community. Kara shared so much about her personal experience and how she came into the work that she is doing. But one of the things she spoke about was how the opportunity to connect with other people, share our stories, and build community and belonging in a hostile environment guided her to do the work that she would do for the rest of her life. And I loved her understanding of how people rallied around her to give her affirmation and support when she needed it most. I was an organizer uh, early on, and, you know, having the opportunity to connect with other people, share our stories, and build community and belonging in such a hostile environment, I decided then that some way, somehow, I didn't know what the job title would be, but I would do this work for the rest of my life. A second pattern I saw in my conversations with the amazing guests we had during this season is how much they have relied on a powerful network of others who share their passion for the work to advance the vision they collectively hold for the future of San Diego. Now, Svasti sees a world in which research is more inclusive of diverse populations to find medical solutions that work for more people. You might imagine a powerful researcher like her working in an industry like she does could conceivably be a a person operating alone. But she spoke repeatedly about the people who have enabled her work along the way and the people who she turns to now for guidance, solace, and inspiration as she tries to change the field in which she's operating. People like to ask questions about themselves that fit their life experience. And scientists are the same. We're interested in the things that affect us. But we also have this great power that we can actually do something about it. We can test it. We can make a drug. You know, we can save lives. But if the questions we ask all pertain to us, then we're only saving people like us, right? So you need to have everyone in the room so that we're saving everyone Mm. in some ways. 
David painted a picture of a world in which students, parents, campus, staff, government, and union officials listen to one another and support youth in developing a powerful sense of their story and future. And here I would just remark that that often isn't the world we see, and it certainly often isn't the world that David and his colleagues experience in these troubled times. But important and critical to David's vision of the world is the sense of all of these folks being fellow travelers and trying to improve the world for the youth that are at the heart of their shared journey. Our hashtag is, is CVUBelong. It's something that our team has developed over time, and it's something that you'll see on all of our branding. Mm. And you belong means that we get to know every person's story deeply and well, not just our students, but their parents and our employees too. If we are able to create a system where every person's story is told, is heard, received, and accepted, then I believe that we can create a culture of belonging. Megan discussed the importance of collaboration across philanthropy and with nonprofits to grow and improve our collective impact. For her, it was not enough to think about an organization or a foundation or any individual working alone. For her, the work is all about how we come together collectively to change the world. My first job was actually inspired by Nancy saying, um, at, at one point we were very fortunate to connect with the Satterberg Foundation and have partnered with them for about six years uh, to bring some funds into the region. And part of that was building the capacity at uh, Catalyst to host funder collaborative groups. And my first job there was as senior director of collaborative philanthropy. It was meant to sort of systematize and bring together in a cohesive strategy how we can unify independent parties who are distributing funds to to have the time to get together and think about their collective impact mm. not like big c big i but just like their 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 total impact yeah. and how they can do it better together and similarly for felicia what matters is the network of artists and arts advocates and people who care about the arts, who join her community of fellow believers in a world in which art and narrative and storytelling are valued and uplifted by us all. Sometimes we have everybody on our side, and then sometimes, you know, we have one lone person who has to be convinced. Um, and then we, we have conversations with our, our state legislators because a lot of the money that we spend here in San Diego trickles down from the state. And then sometimes it trickles down from Washington, D.C. We have to have conversations with those people as well. But um, I love it that that has been our role for all those years is continuing to tell the story, to advocate uh, for arts and culture, public dollars primarily, but also private. And then we bring people together. A third pattern I saw in these conversations is how our interviewee's desire to build belonging seems to come from a deep sense of joy, and that they approach the world with that deep sense of joy. Sid shared how his love of parenting has informed his work at Junior Achievement and helps him better serve the students in his care 
there's a great deal of reflection in how he saw his work as a professional connected to the world he experiences in his own family. And that connection makes him better as a professional. I'm on my kids about what they want to be when they grow up a lot more. (laughs) But I think it's made me uh, realize where it is easy as a parent to say, I know best. Our young people have a lot to offer. And in many ways, it has pushed me to show more grace for my kids mm. than I probably otherwise would have. When I see that just like them, there are other young people who are extremely hungry for experience and knowledge uh, and love. And uh, my kids are no different. And and so I think in a lot of ways, when I spend a lot of time with young people uh, of all ages, um, as young as 10 and as old as 25, 26, and uh, I think it's... Um, a, they might not say it, but I hope that it has is, it is allowed me to show more grace to my own children. Yeah. Raphael shared how hearing the music at such a young age as he did with El Sistema shaped his future and his desire to make sure that others experience the joy of music. What animates everything about a conversation with him is the joy he gets from the music he plays and conducts and listens to, and the way in which he wants to infect others with the power of that joy that he finds in music. There is something in music on its own that uh, has that ability to actually get to you and stay and develop and just trying to could take you to different places. So I think that is very important for an orchestra to expose as many people as possible there was one time wonderful thing that happened. We did a concert, um, we call it Concert for San Diego, back in November 2019. Mm. We did it at the Petco Park. We didn't have our wonderful chair over there. We just did it. And it was uh, for free. People would come. And I will, uh, it was great. The orchestra played fantastic. The people loved it. But I will never forget that there was um, um, a security guard when I was going out. And it, it's, middle-aged man and he just told me it's like I just saw you there and enjoying so much and I've been he was he was part of the security of 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 Petco Park and it's like and I I never thought that I will enjoy this music and I think I should now after this I actually going to start looking more into this kind of music just Mm. for the fact of being exposed sometimes people might think or have a prejudice about it but Mm -hmm. it just let the music do the job And then there was Macedonio, who talked about the deep healing and joy that comes in connection with others, perhaps more explicitly than anyone else, although several of of the folks we spoke with talked about this. Macedonio spoke about magic, and for him, magic comes from a place of deep insight, but also of deep joy. It is an occasion for celebrating the good things in life and for reconnecting with with what really defines us as human beings. And that, to him, is what joy is really all about. I guess for for a larger audience to understand it, right? When we go to, you know, people go to church and they listen to one person, right? Um, Whether it's a male or female that's up there and he's reading something, and that's the sermon for the mm, for the mm, day, right? For mm. the hour. Well, 
we don't have that. It's a collective. It's a collective of men expressing themselves. And it's not a time for me to say, oh, Grant, well, let me talk to you about your issues. It's not that. I'm not there to solve your issues, right? The, the circle, the energy that flows in there, will, will it's going to guide you. It's going to help you without me. I'm not the know-it-all. There is, we have elders there, but they don't know it all, and they know that. Mm. So they allow the energy of the whole circle of the collective to start doing the healing. I really do believe if we work together, we can make sure that everyone feels like they belong here in San Diego County. For our part as the Prebus Foundation, that's why we hosted two convenings with John Powell to better explore belonging, reflecting, and questioning what that can look like in this community. I just had a meeting, a conversation with some of my senior staff, and I was saying, recounting talking to some people who are pretty prominent and someone mentioned belonging and they're like, oh yeah, belonging. And it wasn't a complete eye roll, but it was like, you know, that's what you're saying. That's just the latest whatever. And everybody says belonging now. And if people are saying to say belonging is not the same as to do the practice, I completely agree. Mm. We could say that about love. Mm -hmm. Like people, I love you. What does that mean? Uh, Love is one of those really heavy words. And it's, only really gathers is, is heaviness in terms of our practice. And so what I think about, I, and I said, you know, we have to sort of think about well, there will be a blowback, but we have to be clear on what it is we're trying to do. And what we're trying to do is not something that John Powell or Other Women Belonging Institute or even that, you know, San Diego's. It's really, I think, a global call. As John pointed out, the expectation is simply that we as a community will be better if we are operating in an environment in which everyone among us feels as though this is their community, that they have full ownership of it, a stake in its future, and the right to be here. That will be good not only for them individually, but for us collectively. That's why Prebus announced the Communities of Belonging Arts Grants for organizations creating dynamic art to bring people together across differences. By the time you hear this season one wrap-up, we will have announced our grantees for Communities of Belonging in the Arts. Our grantees are a diverse swath of arts organizations, including Arms Wide Open, Asian Story Theater, Kumeyaay Community College, and San Diego Youth Symphony. We will profile some of these organizations in the near future. In season two, we will focus on the concept of opportunity. At the Prebus Foundation, when we say opportunity, we mean everyone, regardless of zip code, race, or any other defining characteristics, that everyone has access to quality youth development, visual and performing arts, health treatment, medical research, all the opportunity that exists in this extraordinary place and the opportunity to contribute to it and carry it forward. We expect to launch season two in early March and hope you will join us then. If you have ideas for guests who exemplify this idea of ensuring all San Diegans have access to real and meaningful opportunity, you can reach out to us at info at prebisfdn.org. 
I'm so grateful to all of our guests in this first season. I'm thankful to you, our listeners, for giving up your time, reaching out with feedback and ideas, and helping me and the Foundation learn along the way and build stronger relationships in this community. These times can feel very difficult in the world we're living in. It can be difficult sometimes to believe that we can talk to each other in the way that we once could, let alone collectively meet the challenges of this strange era. I have heard from more than one person in the course of the last few months and the last few years that these are difficult times in which to find hope. But everyone we talk to here, every single person I have had the opportunity to interview over the time that I've been in San Diego, has been for me, and I hope for you, a beacon of hope and possibility. And by the way, you are too. If you want a reason to believe in the future, if you sometimes struggle with how to find hope amid concerns about all of the issues that dominate the airwaves and the story waves and the, and the online world today, then I'd suggest you listen here or just do as I did and walk around this great community and stop and talk. You'll discover what I have, which is that hope starts here with us. Together, we can build a more equitable, dynamic, and inclusive San Diego. Thank you for taking the time to stop and talk. Have a beautiful holiday season, and we will see you early in 2024. Stop and Talk is a project of the Conrad Prebis Foundation. It is produced by Crystal Page and Adam Greenfield. It is engineered by Adam Greenfield and recorded in the Voice of San Diego Studios. Thanks again.